How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. Really? I was just walking up and grabbing it. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Fantrax and Basketball Monster. And today's show is also brought to you by Kent Saxton, who is today's Patreon sponsor. So shout out to Kent for sponsoring today's show. If you want to be a sponsor like Kent, head across to patreon.com slash redrock underscore b-ball. My name is Josh Lloyd and as always, you can find me on Twitter at redrock underscore b-ball. There were nine games on Friday. There's 10 games on Saturday. So of course, we've got a lot to talk about. Let's get to it. To it. The monstrous line of the night, it goes once again to Russell Westbrook, who was, uh, who was quite phenomenal once again against the Memphis Grizzlies. 38, 13, and 12 for Russ. Five triples, three steals. He was a perfect 17 of 17 from the free throw line. And he was an imperfect eight of 20 from the field. So basically just exactly what you expect from Russ. He's been a massive negative in field goal percentage this season, a massive negative in turnovers, but you should have been able to, um, predict that heading into the season that was that was quite obvious it was going to happen everything else from him has been brilliant 31 10 and a half 10 and a half with over two threes and over one and a half steals that's more than what you could have possibly hoped for heading into the season he is running at a usage percentage of almost 42 percent despite um claims to the contrary heading into the season that both he and uh, and Billy Donovan said that there was no way that he would be using the ball as anywhere near as much as what he did the last time that Kevin Durant was was injured that obviously turned out to be a massive falsehood. And he's putting up just historic numbers. We know that. Russ is great. He's not the number one player in fantasy, but he's pretty bloody close to it. And if you've got him, you're uh, you're very happy with where you sit with your team because you deal with those deficiencies and you know exactly where you're at. Now, if you own Russ in a in a roto league, I'd like to know where you're placed because you're most likely got a one in field goal percentage. If it's a nine-cat roto, you've probably got a one in field goal percentage or turnovers. I'd like to know where you're placed. If you own Russell Westbrook in a rotisserie league, let me know if it's eight-cat or nine-cat, and let me know where you sit in the standings. That that would be an interesting, uh, interesting exercise to see what the majority of answers give me, whether you're top three, bottom three, middle of the pack. It's going to be interesting to find that out. So let me know via Twitter, via Facebook, however you want to do it. The waiver wire line of the night is, of course, the young gun of the night because it's an undrafted rookie. And he goes by the name of Kevin Farrell. You know him as Yogi. 32 points for Yogi. Nine triples. Nine. Two rebounds, five assists, 11 of 17 from the field, and he hit one of his two free throws. If you weren't aware, Yogi was an undrafted free agent that played for the Nets summer league team and was signed by the Nets and played for the Nets earlier this season. They waived him. The Mavericks signed him when Pierre Jackson went down with that hamstring strain. And since then, he has been ludicrous. I think that's a fair way of putting it. He's played four games for the Mavericks, had 36 minutes for 9, 2, and 7, 38 minutes for 19, 5, and 3 with four steals, 38 minutes for 11, 3, and 5, 
and today the 39 minutes for 32, 2, and 5. I don't 100% know what to make of this for Ferrell. If we look back to his Brooklyn days, he was never this productive. He had a couple of decent games. He had a 26-point night where he had 13 points with 5 assists. He had 11-4 and four in a 19-minute game. He also had a 6-4-1 and one in 19 minutes, and that's, and that's not brilliant. He had a 5-1-1 one and one in 17 minutes. So we've never seen him in a role as large as the one he's currently in. There is some fear, might not fear is the right word, some thought that he keeps the starting job when Darren Williams returns. I would personally be stunned if that happened, but he is playing fantastically. I also just, I don't know if I think that Yogi Ferrell can continue this level of play. I get the feeling it's almost a we don't know who this guy is scenario. We don't know how to stop him. We haven't scouted for him a Lynn Sanity, so to speak. They're just like, shit, what do we do with this guy for a couple of weeks? Until people work out how to play him. I do think that Williams returns and pushes Yogi back into a, a minimal role. JJ Barea returns and pushes Yogi into a smaller role. But I grabbed him today in a league just to see where it goes because there is definitely more than a, a zero chance that he does retain the starting job. I'd say it's single figures in terms of percentage. Like it's 8% chance that he keeps the starting job when Williams returns. But on that 8% chance, it's why you have a streaming spot. That's why you know who your worst player is on your roster. To cut him, grab him, and let's see what happens. Because you can't deny this production. He is, over the last week where he's played these four games, the 31st ranked player, averaging 18, 3, and 5, two steals over three triples on 44 and 91. He is shooting 52% from three. So that's something that will have no chance of continuing. But it's been impressive from Yogi. I just do think that there is a big a big non-scout factor that's that's involved in this sort of production. So I will be expecting it to drop. I'll grab it, and when, when it drops, I'll move on. But he has been fantastic, and a real shot in the arm for a Dallas team that has been known to be a team that doesn't have great prospects, but they've got a few now. They unearthed Dorian Finney-Smith, Dwight Powell's decent. I like Justin Anderson a lot, Seth Curry, Yogi Ferrell. All these young guys really starting to play well for them this season. Well, some of them playing well. Finney-Smith and uh, Anderson haven't been great of late, but just unearthing some talent, which is always good for a franchise that hasn't really had many young players come through uh, over the recent uh, time frame. There's the young gun of the night graphic. Let's put that up for you. Yeah, Yogi, well done. The dart of the night, big Ryan Anderson. He's a, he's prone to these. It was not a good Ryan Anderson night. And this was, you can look at this and say, oh man, the dude got injured. He didn't play much. No, no, he played 33 minutes and went scoreless. He missed all seven of his shots. He had four rebounds. And in true Ryan Anderson style, he had zero assists, zero steals, and zero blocks. He, I would say he's been a big disappointment, but... I didn't have huge hopes for him heading into the season. He's been all right. He's had 14 points, almost three triples and five rebounds. But his complete lack of anything else is what really does him in. One assist, half a steal, 0.2 blocks, and subpar field goal percentage means that really he is a positive contributor in one category, and that is threes. He's not a positive guy in points. He is in free throw percentage, so I will grant him that. But he doesn't get to the line often enough to make it a real huge strength. He just is what he is. He's a back-end guy who I believe will lose this job next season, maybe end of next season, to Sam Decker. I believe that that will happen. It's not happening this year. And he'll get hot, Ryan Anderson. And when he does, and when he bangs in 25 points with seven triples, which he did 
two games ago maybe, and I said, hey, try and sell him because he's going he's gonna to drop his turd on you. And here's that turd. This is just what he does. He, he's up and down. He will come back and have some big games. There is no doubt about that. And if he got dropped in my league and I needed threes, I would have no hesitation in grabbing him just because I, I don't have any fear for his role. It's more if you value if you start valuing valuing him as a top fifty guy, you're going to end up disappointed in his overall production because it just it just isn't what Ryan Anderson does. Unfortunately for Ryan Anderson and his legion of fans. All right, let's uh, let's move into these games now. There were nine of them on Friday. We're going to talk about all of those ones now. All right, we'll start off with the first game, which was Toronto at Orlando. No Damari. Not Damari. No, well, there, was, there was no Damari Carroll because he's terrible, but no Damar DeRozan. So my boy, Norm Powell started. I'm sure you're shocked, but he's good. 38 minutes, 18 points, two rebounds, two triples. Has to be starting in this league at some point. He is, it's a, it's a hard time to acquire him in Dynasty, but he is going to be a very good Dynasty player. He's going to be a player that probably has a couple of seasons of top 100 value, I would imagine. There, He shouldn't be a third string wing, and that's sort of where he sits in uh, in Toronto at the moment. Speaking of Damari Carroll, he was brutally bad again. Only 18 minutes for Damari, zero points with three rebounds. Missed all three of his shots, and he's just really not good. And he hasn't been good since he arrived in Toronto. He looks banged up. He looks finished, in all honesty. Pat Pat injured again, hurt the uh, hurt the knee. Seven minutes for Pat Pat. He wasn't having much fantasy value, so that enabled Bebe Noguera to play 25. He had four and seven with a block. And as I talked about at length yesterday... It's fine. He's absolutely not for everybody, but he does have a fair a fair run of strengths. Kyle Lowry, the uh, the shot was not there. Five of twenty for eighteen, five and seven with two triples. This is this is the fear with Lowry that the massive increase in his efficiency this year could tend to dip. And let's hope for your Lowry owners that this isn't the start of that. While Fred Van Vliet took over the backup point guard role with Corey Joseph playing only seven minutes. Van Vliet saw 23 and had 15, three and three with a steal and two triples. Good performance for Van Vliet and he has worked himself into this role. I don't think that he sticks as the number one backup to Lowry, but it was a good performance from Freddles. Um, he's really just someone to, to keep an eye on. And if he happens to usurp Corey Joseph's role, then maybe you do something about it. But at this point, I don't think there's much to see. While big Jonas Valanciunas went 18 and 11 in 35 minutes with a steal and a block. Love Jonas. He just doesn't get those minutes often enough, unfortunately. For the magic, Evan Fournier, 36 minutes, 20 points, 10 boards, two triples, back in business, full minutes, full production. Let's go with uh, with Evan. And CJ Watson off the bench played 32 minutes, a Big full line for CJ, 18-3-4 with two steals and a block. It came on five of six shooting, so obviously it's a little bit fluky there, but huge performance. And what do we make of it? He's going to maintain a 20-minute or so role, I believe, with this team moving forward. This is just a little bit of extra playing time that he got, so I wouldn't be reading too much into it. Serge Barker was good as well, 20-12 and 12 with three blocks, while Vooch had 18-5-3 and three in under 30 minutes. Bismack Biombo, Jeff Green continued to do nothing. And speaking of doing nothing, Aaron Gordon went 0-7 from the field. He had one point in 28 minutes in one block. He's owned in 84% of leagues. It's too high. I, I cannot see owning him as being a viable proposition. He He had all the factors going right for him. He was going to start. He was going to play big minutes. It was his third season. Vogel, new coach, could do something for him. Unfortunately, playing him out of position has killed him. It has killed his confidence. It's killed his value. And maybe maybe he's just not going to be that good. He's done a fair bit of stuff defensively, which has been impressive. 
but the fantasy breakout has absolutely not been there for Aaron Gordon, and I, I wouldn't be holding my breath waiting for it to start to start to occur. The Minnesota Timberwolves and the Detroit Pistons is the next game. Rick Rubio scorer now, apparently. 16 points for Rick in 34 minutes, two triples, two rebounds, seven assists, and two steals. Really crushing it at the moment. I would be stunned if he got traded. This one, Chris Dunn was out with a sore hand, so I saw a lot of uh, conspiracy t- tweets going around. Oh, Dunn's out. Jim Butler's out. There's a trade happening. I don't think there's a trade happening there, but with Dunn out, we saw Tyus Jones get this backup role, two points and three assists for Tyus. I really like Tyus. I think that he should be in a regular rotation, much like Norm Powell. He's too good to be sitting as a third stringer, on a, especially on a team like Minnesota. Gorgie Jen got the big minutes back, 32 minutes, 6 and 12, had a steal, had three blocks, and that's where his value really comes in. So it was a little bit frustrating that he continued to get limited by guys like Bielitsa and Shabazz, but he got those minutes back there and, and returned the value that you want, while Carl Anthony Towns had 24 and 11. And Zach Levine, before he left the game with a knee contusion, he had 20 points, four rebounds, and four assists. Now, we don't know if he's going to miss time, but if he does, it's all about Brandon Rush. That's what we saw the last time that Levine was out. We saw Rush go from a DMPCD in a complete frustrating, nonsensical pattern that is emerging amongst coaches. Matt, you're not good enough to play every game, but when someone goes out, we're going to play you more minutes than everybody else on the team. It is a nonsensical coaching decision, and it's happening often. You'll see that when we get to uh, to my Chicago Bulls later on, but that's what's happened when Levine has missed. Let's just put Rush in and play him, honestly, more minutes than what Levine was getting anyway. Weird situation, but let's let's have a look and, and see that that you might be able to get a value out of Rush. But there is ten games on tomorrow when the Timberwolves play, so you might not even if you added Rush, you might not actually you might not actually be able to to use him. Uh, Shabazz Muhammad did his scoring thing, fifteen points in uh, in twenty three minutes. But we know that with Shabazz, that's all that he really does. But it, it is valuable. It can be streamed in. It, it's good for deep leagues, and he's been relatively consistent recently, which is not something that we've ever really been able to say for Muhammad throughout his career. Wigo was Wigo twenty one three and one on twenty shots, no other numbers, just a empty scoring line, and that's that's what we get from him occasionally. Or maybe more often than occasionally. Yesterday, I said that, yeah, it's probably time for Marcus Morris to have a big game. I didn't expect him to go for a career high 36 points in 38 minutes. He had six rebounds, five triples, two assists, and a steal, and did it on 63% shooting. Let me tell you right now, it's not happening again for Marcus Morris. Obviously, because he's never done it before. But this is what he does. 36 minutes for 10 points, 38 minutes for 12 points, 39 minutes for 11 points. 36 minutes for 40 points. And you go, what? What? What what, what happened then? Oh, then 36 minutes for 8 points. 36 minutes for 13 points with no other numbers. This is just what he does. Great. Great performance. And if you're just needing maybe 14 points, then Morris is the guy that you can semi-rely on. But he just doesn't do enough in other areas for me to say, lock in, you're one of my best 10 guys. Let's go. Let's go at it every day. But... This was always brewing. There was always going to be a big game coming from Morris because he just continually does it and then goes and does nothing for weeks. Andre Drummond, 12 and 18 with a pair of steals and a, and a trio of blocks. A good night from Drummond. Well, Johnny Lua played the best he's played since coming back from that knee problem. 24 and 4 for the tackle box with four triples in those 35 minutes. Uh, I think he's more a 14 team league guy, while Toby Harris only saw 23 minutes with Lua getting that extra playing time. Reggie Jackson, under 30 minutes for three straight games. That's playing right into Stan Van Gundry doctrine. We have seen Van Gundy limit his point guards consistently. 
At least Jackson wasn't getting 20 minutes in this one, but he wasn't awesome. 10, 3, and 8 is all right, but only 31% conversion on his 31 shots. And Ish Smith played better. 10, 3, and 5 for Ish in 21 minutes on 63% shooting. This is why I did caution Reggie Jackson at the start of the season, even before his injury, but because a lot of people were looking at Reggie as a top 30, a top 40 guy, but you know, I had no faith in Van Gundy giving him enough minutes, especially now that he had a competent backup. I don't think Ish Smith is good, but he's competent. He's better than the backups they had last season, and he's looked a lot better recently-ish. So I think we just got to ride out what's happening with Reggie without hoping for too much of an improvement. Contavious Corwell Pope went from 38 points to two. Wasn't a great Corwell Pope night. Only took seven shots as well with other guys getting hot in the big victory. The Indiana Pacers and the Brooklyn Nets. Paul George, after getting stifled by the Magic, he bounced back with a 24 and 11 night, had two steals and three blocks as well. While Thad Young only had 22 minutes because he suffered a wrist injury. We'll need to check the situation there, but it, it looks like he's going to miss some time, would be my guess. But still had four steals. He had two blocks. He had 10 points and he had nine rebounds. The player that looks like that he will take on the role or the minutes there from Thad is going to be some of Lavoy Allen. You'll get some of Little Dog Glenn Robinson. You'll get some CJ Miles. They're the players who are going to have to absorb those minutes. Much like the situation in Oklahoma City, which we'll talk about later, I don't think that any of them is an auto ad or anything along those lines. Jeffy Teague went 24-3-7 with three steals, while Miles Turner was eh, all right. Had three blocks, 11 points. Not a great Miles night. Monte Ellis actually had nine points with six boards, and that qualifies as a big success for him. I wouldn't be caring a huge amount about that. While CJ Miles did his thing, he scored nine points, and they all came from triples. That is what CJ Miles is. He is not a guy that's worth dealing with. Now, the Brooklyn Nets, a lot of excitement heading into this game for the Nets because they decided to start Karis Levert over Boyan Bogdanovich. Well, not, not over. Boyan Bogdanovich was out resting, so Levert got the start. So we had Levert starting, we had Rondé Hollis Jefferson starting. We had Isaiah Whitehead starting. We had like full youth movement. Unfortunately, they were all terrible, and that, that's that's an issue. Whitehead, who came off a big game in the last one, played 14 minutes and had zero points with four assists, showing once again that the point guard situation in Brooklyn is a mess. It'll be, and it, this is what was happening about two or three weeks ago, whoever came off the bench and they'd rotated every game would play better. And it happened here. Dinwiddie was good off the bench, 13-4 and four in 27 minutes. Whitehead scoreless in 14, but there is no way to predict what these point guards are going to do. Now, as for Levert, 30 minutes, big night, huge night, most minutes he's played. Production wasn't, wasn't awesome. Four points with five rebounds, an assist and a steal on one of nine shooting. You know I love Levert, but rest days, Atkinson's minutes rotational issues... Um, the fact that he's not there as being a good player just yet does make him a tough guy to hold. The potential's there. There's no doubt about that. And when they announced him as a starter today, if you've got that open spot, you grab him and you see what happens. I would absolutely make the switch for, for a Yogi Ferrell now or, or anyone really and just say, okay, well, it wasn't a great performance. There's obviously risks associated, but you're just you're taking flyers with that last pick and you're seeing what's going to go down and you're seeing how it's going to work out. Didn't work out here for Levert. Also didn't work out for Rondé, who was fantastic in the last game. Played only 20 minutes in this one. Four, six, and three in 20 minutes. So the the dickery of Atkinson continued, just not giving minutes to the guys who potentially need to develop. Not potentially, they do need to develop. Four and six for Rondé. He can easily be a 12-team guy, but you're going to be stuck with this sort of stuff all season. 23 and six for Brook. While uh, two shooting guards who had been terrible for much of the season, Joe Harris and Sean Kilpatrick, were good. 15 points for Harris in 24 minutes with three steals, while Kilpatrick went 18, five, and four. 
you leave that alone. Kilpatrick's a 20-team, maybe a 16-teamer, maybe. Harris is a deeper guy than that. Kilpatrick has been terrible for about the last two months. I think this is a, a somewhat fluky performance from him. Let's talk about Memphis. They're taking on the Oakland. They took on the Oklahoma City Thunder. Russ Westbrook and the Thunder got the victory. Marcus Gasol was great. 42 minutes for Gasol. 31-4 with eight assists, two steals, and a block. A huge night from him. While Zebo, this is what I did think would happen, and we've seen this happen a little bit more with Memphis. Playing against bigger teams, you see the reliance upon Randolph come more into play. He played 29 minutes and went 16-10-3. and Double-double leagues, tremendous value for Randolph. He's a borderline 12-teamer. Jermichael Green is not a 12-teamer at all. Zero points with four rebounds in 24 minutes. And this was also the best thing we've seen from Chandler Parsons all season. 25 minutes for Chandler, that's the best thing. 12 points, three rebounds, one assist, and one steal. Now, we've still got the back-to-back issue. We'll see what happens tomorrow because they do play again the Grizzlies on Saturday. So we might not see Parsons play. And that would be a fair yeah, that would be a fair assumption, but is he going to be at twenty five minutes a night from now on? I would think that he would do that up until All Star break, and then maybe we get thirty plus minute Chandler Parsons post All Star. I don't know. He's got top fifty upside. There is no doubting that the form is starting to come back. The minutes are starting to come back, and once he gets to thirty, then it's a no brainer must own. But he might not even get to thirty this season. That's the conundrum with Parsons. Can you afford to hold a guy that? that might score 10 points and have three rebounds a game for the rest of the year? The answer to that is going to be no. But can you afford it for two weeks when post-All-Star you get 15, 5, and 3? That might be worth it. But it is very much an individual situation. Mike Conley had 18 points with three steals. And Tone Allen chipped in with a steal and two blocks. For the Thunder, the... When Cantor went down, always ask the question, who's, who do I add? Who's a must-own? Who's the guy to grab with Cantor with going out? And in the majority of cases in the NBA, the answer is nobody because it's just going to be a collection of players. We have seen Jeremy Grant play big minutes and be generally terrible. We've seen DeMontis Sabonis get a big double-double in 35 minutes. And you go, okay, well, maybe it's Sabonis who's going to play more. And in this game, we saw Joffrey Laverne play 29 minutes and have 16 and 8 with three triples and two assists. Now, Laverne was the guy that I immediately thought, he's got the big chance here to, to take a, a step forward. It didn't happen in the first two games, but it did happen here. I don't think him or Grant or Sabonis are going to be worth using in 12-team leagues, but it's going to be a horses for courses. Billy Donovan said that. He goes, we're just going to take time to work out how we best fill Cantor's role. And that's what's going to continue to happen. Steve Adams was good, 16 and 13 in 44 minutes. He had two blocks and a steal. And uh, Vic Oladipo wasn't a great Oladipo night. Seven points on 14 shots is horrible. Three rebounds, three assists, and two steals. He took 14 shots, second most on the team, but could not connect anything. And efficiency has been one of his strengths this season, but wasn't a good wasn't a good uh, Vic night. While uh, the aforementioned Demontis Sabonis had two points in 11 minutes, only 11 minutes. That's what I mean. Look, there's no predictability with what um, with what Billy Donovan is going to do with these big men. And and, and part of it is and part of it, I guess, is the way how do I phrase this? They're not good. That's the most succinct. They're just not good. So there's just going to be, all right, well, you're doing some things well, and it's not going to work against these opponents. There's no clear-cut guy that steps in and becomes this awesome uh, awesome option. The Chicago Bulls and the Houston Rockets, the Bulls were without Jim Butler. The news came out fairly late. Fred Hoiberg had his news conference at 5.30 local time, I believe. 
Fred, you're going to make any changes to the starting lineup? No, nah, no, nah, same starting lineup, same starting lineup. 45 minutes later, oh, by the way, Jim Butler's out. Um, that brought out the conspiracy theorists. You guys hide information. You do a terrible job. Why don't you tell us that Jim Butler's out earlier? As soon as we know that a player is out, we will tell you. We are not hiding any. I'm talking we as in basketball monster or anyone, any reporters. We're not hiding any information about these players. We're not keeping it a secret. We're not saying, you know what, let's let's not tell anyone that Butler's out until the lineup's lock and let's sit here and go, ha, 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 ha. It's just not what happens. Nobody knew that Butler was out. The coach didn't know. The coach explicitly was asked the questions and either he didn't know or he just lied. If he lied, it's just another case of bad teams trying to be tricky and losing. Speaking of being tricky, Michael Carter-Williams has been out of the rotation, incorrectly in my opinion, but out of the rotation. So what's the logical thing? When you lose a small forward, your star small forward, and your sixth man has been a small forward, and your first round number 11 pick from two years ago is a small forward, and your first round pick from this season, pick 14, is a, is a wing, is a shooting guard small forward, one of those guys would, would fill the role. Paul Zipser, Dougie McDermott, Denzel Valentine. No, because you're Fred Hoiberg coaching genius. What you do is you bring your third string point guard who has been unceremoniously removed from the starting lineup with no explanation and obviously incorrectly, in my opinion. You put him and you start him at small forward. Because why wouldn't you do that? And of course, he goes out and goes 23-9-6 and six with a block on 61% shooting. And that is obviously not going to happen every game because he can't shoot like that. And it makes Hoiberg look like a genius, which he's not. But it, it's just weird, weird thought processes that go through some of these coaches' heads. A good night from Carter Williams. I don't know whether this makes him stick in the rotation over Jaron Grant. He should be. He should never have lost the job to Jaron Grant. It made no sense. He was providing defensive stuff. Not good. It was solid offensive stuff, but not good offensive stuff. And this, this has clearly been his best game. Taj Gibson was great, 20-6, and six, and Paul Zipser, also great, 11-3 and three with two steals and two blocks in his 29 minutes. Zipser's absolutely climbing up, but he's nowhere near a standard league player at this point. But if you're in a 20-team a league or an 18-team league, no way at any point in the preseason you would have thought, you know what, I've got to make sure I just keep an eye on Paul Zipser. But now you do, because he's in a nice, solid role. Dwayne Wade went 19-9-6, and six, while uh, Rob Lopez had 7-11 and 11 in 41 minutes. For the Rockets, Jimmy Harden, big game from him, 42-12-9 with five triples, two steals, and a block. A huge night there. While Clint Capella, back-to-back 30-plus games, 14-30-minute-plus games, 32 minutes here, 14-9 with a block. Um, didn't attempt a free throw. Let's hope that sticks. I don't have full faith in Dan Tony doing that, but let's hope that that role sticks because he is the best of their centers and fits this team exactly what they need at that position. But that's two games. The other games before, he'd get dicked around because we've got to get the table in there. Let's play Nene. Let's move guys around. But that's two strong games in a row for Clint. So, yeah, he's an own, he's a guy you own, of course. The table played 21 minutes. Montrez Harrell, 8-5 and five in that playing time. Will likely be a DMPCD when Nene returns in the next game. Well, Pat Bev can't really shake the shooting woes. Only 9 points, but did have 7 rebounds. Did have 7 assists on Eric Gordon. Got things cracking as well. 21 points, 5 Triples and four assists for Eric. The Lakers and the Boston Celtics. Uncle P, fresh off an invite to the three-point shooting contest, had 17 in 33 minutes with five triples, three assists, two steals, and a block. A good night from Young. I think he's more a 14-team league guy, to be honest. Now, Julius Randle did not play. 
in this game, still dealing with that pneumonia. So we had Tariq Black starting. He played only 18 minutes. Larry Nance went off. 32 minutes for Nance, 18, 11, and 4 with three steals. You just got to chalk the Lakers up to one of those teams where you have absolutely no idea what's going to happen on a night-to-night basis. Nance, who was crushing it before his knee injury, really playing well. Him and Randall lineups were looking good. And then since he's come back, he's struggled to get 20 minutes, which has been weeks now. Even in these situations with Randall out, they just haven't gone to Nance. But now they did. I really think Nance can be a useful fantasy player, and I wouldn't be shocked if Nance is a better real-life player than Randall at some point. I do believe that. But having trust in what Luke Walton's going to do, it's it's impossible. If it's a Zubats who played like four straight 20-minute games before the last two, played four minutes. He had one and two. So that little you know, run was fantastic. But is how confident are you that he's getting 25 a game plus to hold him in standards? You shouldn't be confident at all. You just shouldn't. And that's that's the concern with all these situations. Tim Mozgov only played 15 minutes. When so a game where Mozgov played 15 minutes, Zubat saw four. Black saw 18. And we saw lots of smaller lineups. Brandon Ingram gained a bit of trust back, 14 and 6 in 33 minutes. And Lou Williams, still at his 23-minute roll, but scored 21 points. So another nice night from Lou. And we've got to salute D'Angelo Russell. 20 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 triples, 1 steal, 1 block. And hit both his free throws. A good night from D'Angelo Russell. Good night from uh, from the Lakers in general to uh, challenge the challenge the Celtics. They did lose, but it was a good night. How's my boy Isaiah Thomas? Well, he was being ridiculous again. Thirty eight points, four assists, five triples on fifty four percent shooting. Because if you can actually get better on a record setting season, why don't you? That's exactly what he's doing. Jay Crowder was good as well. Eighteen and six with two steals. And Marcus Smart was very Marcus Smarty. Nine points in 32 minutes on 10 shots. So terrible. But two triples, three rebounds, seven assists, five steals. Huge night from Smart in those other categories. You know that he's a punt field goal guy and you love the other numbers that he brings. Jalen Brown actually got 32 minutes in this one. 12 and seven, a decent performance, but nothing to really uh, matter too much for us. And they played a lot more small ball in this one. Al Horford, only 31 minutes, 11, eight and eight. And of course, the other position, Kelly Olenek, Jonas Sherevko, Amir Johnson and Tyler Zeller, they all combined and did nothing, as as is always the case in Boston which is unfortunate because there is obviously some talent with those guys that we cannot fully utilize. Speaking of, no, not speaking, because I wasn't speaking about um, Dim Wittery, the Milwaukee Bucks and the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets get the victory. The, the Bucks, who recently traded for two centers, having three on their roster already, they had been starting Thon Maker, and Maker had been playing well. He'd been playing very well. He had... 12 points, three threes, and three blocks in his last game in 24 minutes. Split the minutes evenly with Greg Monroe. Greg Monroe, been playing fantastically this season. You know, one of the best seasons that he's had recently, doing really well. So the player that you would think is the odd man out, John Henson. We traded for two other guys. Henson hasn't been playing. Jason Kidd pulls the old switcheroo. No, he doesn't play the, pulls the switcheroo. He pulls the, I'm a shit coach. Let me prove to you that I'm a shit coach move. And put John Henson in. And you can you can be sitting there listening and go, Josh, you don't, what are you talking about? It, it worked. Results don't make processes correct. Common sense. He just chops and changes every five minutes with no thought to what's happening the next day or the next week or the next month or the next hour, it feels like. Now, Johnny Henson played 31 minutes. He has not played in the previous few games. He's been a DMPCD. 
He was behind Maker. He was behind Plumley. He was behind Munro. And now he starts and plays 31 minutes. 16 and 5 with a steal and 4 blocks is a huge night from Henson, but you cannot rely upon that at all. Because he's just as likely to see those minutes come back down when they realize, you know what, John Henson blocks shots, but he's a terrible defender and he's not a good offensive player. And the minutes will come back down. And in this one, Greg Munro played 13 minutes. 13. 8 points. 2 rebounds. Thon Maker played 4 minutes. 6 points, 2 triples and a block. And then you've got to integrate Hibbert and Spencer Hawes. So who knows what is going to happen with this with this center rotation. Yanni had 23, 8, and 5 with a pair of steals and a pair of blocks, while Jabari had 27, 11, and 4, and 2 steals. And um, Matty Dallavadova dished out 12 assists in 31 minutes, leaving Malcolm Brogdon only 24 minutes to play with, 7, 1, and 2 with 2 steals. I get the feeling that owning Brogdon is not going to be a viable proposition very soon, and that's because Chris Middleton's returning on Wednesday. Now, by all means, go and grab Chris Middleton. We know how good he is. He's a top 30, top 20 type of player. He is not coming back as a top 30, top 20 player, though. I can pretty much guarantee you that. He will not be that guy. He will likely not be that guy, I would guess, until March, if he gets there at all. You have guys coming back from leg surgery. Chandler Parsons. How long is it taking him to get back to full minutes? Well, it's been three months. Hasn't happened yet. Tyreek Evans. When did he have surgery? April? I know, I know they're knees, but these are long-term lower body injuries and they take time to get back to full health. Own You can own Middleton. I'm not telling you not to do it. I do not have faith in him. Not because I don't think he's a good player because I think he's a fantastic player and he is going to cut into Tone Snell. They're already preparing for that, giving Tone Snell 19 minutes. Fine. Tone Snell shouldn't play. It's going to impact Dally. It's going to impact Brogo as well because they won't be really be able to play together too much. Although I just, yeah, I just prefer them go. Okay, Snelly, Jason Terry, you're out. Let's run Middleton. Let's run Dally. Let's run Brogo, and let, let's play maybe a little bit of Snelly while Middleton gets back in business, which is going to take a while. I would be stunned if he is playing 30 minutes a night by the end of March. And you've got to see whether you want to take that risk. And that risk might pay off and it might win you. Or it might cost you playoff spots in these upcoming two weeks where you're holding on to a guy who's giving you seven points in 14 minutes. I don't know that'll be the case, but I imagine he'll be on a fairly strict restriction moving forward. The Nuggets, Nick Jokic, he's back. One thing we need to know about the Nuggets is any time that there is a minutes limit, it is a lie. Gary Harris coming back, he's on a minutes limit. Cool, 35. Uh, Manny Moody will come back, he'll be limited to 20 minutes, 25. Uh, Jokic will come back, That'll be, he'll be um, he'll be a minutes limit, probably just to 28, 32. So any time that the Nuggets say there's a minutes limit, they are lying. Or, or Michael Malone has no ability to tell the time, or he's got no self-restraint. You pick one of those options. They're lying, he can't read a clock, or he's got no self-restraint. Because it's one of those three answers. It's not a one-off thing. It is literally every single time a player comes back with a minutes restriction, they just blow through it and end up playing more minutes in that game than what they do in the other games. Gary Harris comes back, minutes restriction, plays 35 minutes, and then plays 27 every other game after that. Like, what? Nick Jokic was getting 27 minutes, 28 minutes, 30, 31. Injury, restriction, 32. There you go, bang. What? Manny Moutier came back, minutes restriction, played 25. This game, 18. What? 
Nothing makes sense with what they do. On a positive note, Nikola Jokic had his first triple-double. 20 points, 13 rebounds, 11 assists, and two triples. I'm guessing it won't be the last. You know that he's fantastic, and you should love that he's back. The rooster was out, so Wilson... I thought Wancho Hernan Gomez would start, because that is what happened. has happened every other time that the rooster's been out. But no, he played three minutes, and Wilson Chandler, Mr. Wilson Chandler, I don't want to be in Denver, played 41 minutes and had 23 and 8 with two steals and four blocks. A massive performance from Wilson. Now, if he gets traded, his value does dip, but you're not going to be able to trade him. You just ride him out for now. Gaz Harris had 14 with a pair of steals and a pair of triples, and Ken Fareed played 25 minutes with Jokic back, had 19 and 11 in 25 minutes. You know, like that performance from, from Fareed, but it did come on 75% shooting, which is not going to be sustainable for him to continue. We, we do have to remember that, that, um, that he's not going to be able to continue in that sort of a, well, that sort of efficiency role, I guess. Moving forward, Farton Will Barton also returned, had nine points in 25 minutes, not really a standard league player in my opinion, while Jameer Nelson, with Moutier limited to 18, he played 30 minutes and had 6-2-4. and four. I don't think there's any point to be holding Jameer in 12-team leagues with everyone basically back now for the Nuggets. The Phoenix Suns and the Sacramento Kings, another big Devin Booker night, 33 points in 41 minutes with four triples, only the two boards, two assists, two steals, one block, Good shooting. A solid night from Booker. The free throws weren't ideal, especially when you go 7 of 10 on 10 attempts. That's that's a big amount of attempts. But other, otherwise, a pretty good night from Booker. I'd be, I would attempt to trade Booker if people are infatuated by points because he's scoring a lot of them and that that's good. But if someone values him as a top 20 guy, I would take that deal. You've got to find the right person to do that. But I, I would take that deal. TJ Warren. Man, what's going on? 36 minutes for TJ. 21 points, 5 rebounds, 1-3, one, 1 steal. So much of the stuff we're seeing happen in the NBA is what I did talk about in the preseason a lot, but I talked about yesterday as well, is there is a lot of talent in the NBA. So minutes are going to be really hard to predict because there are, each team has got talented players that aren't necessarily stars, but are good enough to go off occasionally and, and take minutes from other guys. And Warren did it here. Now, was this a case of Eric Bledsoe not playing that well? Maybe. Bledsoe was still all right, though. 26-4 and in 34 minutes. Warren just got things going. He got his shots, which is something that he hasn't hasn't really done. He hasn't even attempted the shots, let alone hit them. And it was a good night. Whether you hold on to TJ Warren at this point, it depends who else is available. I wouldn't be rushing to grab him because we've seen a couple little outbursts like this, and then it's, it's petered out. But it was a good performance. No Dragon Bender, so of course Marquise Chris, he played only 16 minutes after a couple of big games of over 20, and that's because he got in foul trouble. As I talked about, that basketball IQ, Earl Watson, how's that looking? That's his underrated thing. Yeah, two points, two rebounds for Chrissy. This is what is going to keep him back from being a contributor in standard leagues, the fact that he cannot stay on the court. Boogie triple-doubled, 22, 12, and 12 with a pair of steals, sorry, a pair of blocks, a steal, and three triples. While the uh, confusing Sacramento point guard situation reared its ugly head, Remember the last game that they played that the two point guards combined for about 38 minutes out of 48 possible minutes? Well, in this one, the two point guards combined for, let me just work it out in top of my, 66 minutes. Yeah, there you go. So they played together. 38 minutes for Darren Collison, 19, 2, and 1. Ty Lawson had 18, 5, and 3 with two steals, and both of them shot over 50%. 50 for Colo, 70 for Lawson, and that's without uh, Garrett Temple. Aaron Aflalo was ill, so of course they had to play some uh, extra minutes. We also got out of nowhere... Ben McLemore, 35 minutes, 18 points with three triples. He had been a DMPCD up until recently, but with Temple out, 
he could find himself in a bench role. I wouldn't be relying too heavily on that. And Matty Barnes played 39, went 6, 10, and 4. A decent night from Barnes. He's more a 14-team league guy. Well, Will Cauley-Stein, at least he played. He wasn't good, though. 4 and 4 in 14 minutes. Just another consistency issue that's going to you know, rear its head with him from time to time. Dallas and Portland. Do I talk about Yogi Ferrell again? Probably not. But Wes Matthews had a big one. 27-6-3 and three with three triples in 40 minutes. And Seth Curry dropped 19 in 29 minutes as well, while the pencil had 13-7 and seven in 38. Good signs from Dirk playing 32 minutes. Bad signs from Dirk scoring only nine points with five rebounds. It is getting hard to hold Dirk. If you're in an eight-team league, I don't think you want to be owning Dirk. If you're in a 12-teamer, I would. And in a 10-teamer, I probably still would. But it's... It's it's not a no-brainer. Salah Mejri coming off that massive double-double at 4-5, and five, but he got the minutes. He got 18 minutes while Dwight Powell saw 8, and Dorian Finney-Smith did his best Aaron Gordon impression. He had 1 point in 33 minutes for the Blazers, who lost to the Mavericks, who are charging. Man, these teams like the Mavericks and the Heat, who could have positioned themselves for top 5 picks, are playing themselves out of top 5 picks with these huge, ludicrous win streaks, which... I don't know where they're coming from, and they're costing themselves talent. For what purpose? I don't know. I'm sure it's fun for the fans. That, that's true. CJ McCollum, 28, 7, and 6. Good night from CJ. Really efficient night, whereas speaking of efficient, Dane Lillard was the opposite of that. 13, 9, and 6 with 4 of 20 shooting on 38 in 38 minutes. And as I always talk about in the DFS portion, if you're looking at Dane Lillard, you almost have to consider him GPP only. Mo Harkless, under 20 minutes, 2-2 two and two with a block. So that 28 minutes he got in the last game, maybe a little bit of a mirage. Well, Evan Turner played 32 and went 24-4-3 with a steal and a 3. A nice Evan Turner game. You could look at him as a 14-team league guy. And Al Farouk Aminu chimed in with 14-8 and eight in 37 minutes, 4 triples. Absolutely fine to own him. He's gone to the bench. His minutes haven't suffered. Mo Harkless has. And Harkless, I think, will be down in the low 20s range while Aminu will remain in that high level because Noah Vonley, everybody, is terrible. No idea why he plays at all. No idea why he starts. No idea why he plays. Seven minutes, four points, three rebounds. And when we talk about, and you can talk about this all the time, you know, top 10 players in drafts, you, you get these guys. You get Thomas Robinsons. You get... Noah Vonleys. There are some shit kickers in the top 10. So don't... And so many people are uh, prone to this. You don't assume because someone's a top 10 player that they are going to be good. Nick Stauskas, Ben McLemore. Plenty of guys in the top 10 have been terrible. And Noah Vonley is one of those guys. And I really don't see it turning around for him. I don't think he's that good. All right, let's uh, let's take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and we're going to preview a monster Saturday where we've got 10 games happening in the NBA. All right, guys, let's talk perfect DFS. Fangel, Rusty Westbrook, 72.6, and of course, Michael Carter-Williams had 43.8 at shooting guard. Fournier at 36 and Jimmy Harden at 73.9. The small forwards, Marcus Morris, 46.2, and Wilson Chandler, 47.1. At power forward, Larry Nance, 42.2, and Jabari Parker, 49. And at center, John Henson, 32. Out of nowhere, John Henson, 32 points. 443, that cost for a total of 59,500. On DraftKings, Westbrook had 82.75, and Jimmy Harden went for 79.5. Wilson Chandler had 48.5, and Nance had 44.75. So obviously some massive flyers in here. Carter Williams was a 
out of the blue one. Johnny Henson's an out of the blue one. Larry Nance is an out of the blue one. Yeah, some of them are, are obvious ones. Yeah, Harden, obviously, Fournier, Westbrook. Morris was a guy we looked at. Chandler was in a good spot. Parker was good. Um, but some of them, cool. Nance, 44.75 on DraftKings. Johnny Henson, 32.25. MC Dub went for 44.75. Marcus Morris with 50. And Kevin Ferrell with 55. 45.5 to round things off for a total of 428 points, and that yielded 49,300. Well, that's how much that cost $49,300 worth of salary over on good old DK. All right, let's talk about these games now that we do have coming up on Saturday. There are, as I said, 10 of them, so there's a lot to get through. The first one is the New Orleans Pelicans taking on the Washington Wizards. The Wizards are favored by 7.5, and and the total is 217 points. No injury concerns for us to look at here. Let's talk point guards. John Wall at 10,600, crushing it. Good matchup for him against the Pelicans. If you're spending up at point guard... No problem with using Johnny. I think he's a good option. The other guy that's been crushing it has been Drew Holiday. He is an $8,000 point guard now, and he's been giving you 43 points on average over the last five. The John Wall defense is a concern, so I would be I would feel comfortable about fading Drew Holiday just because of this matchup. On DraftKings at 7,400, I think that's good. That's fine to use. The 8,000 on Fangio uh, definitely turns me off just a little bit with big Drew there. At shooting guard, Brattles Beals at 7000 bucks. I feel really confident with that, and 6900 for him on DraftKings. Giggity! He should be able to return value in most situations because the matchup's a good one. He's playing well. He's playing consistently well. Also, eats one more. Sometimes he puts up one. Same with Bud Heald. Same with Langston Galloway, who was actually a DMPCD in the last game, so I'd find it hard to rely upon him. Kelly Oubre is a minimum salary player who put up four points in the last one. He can be better than that. I wouldn't be relying upon it, but worth a flyer to get 21 or 22 out of him. But with 10 games on, you can likely do better. And Otto Porter just feels too highly priced at 6,462 on DraftKings. Hasn't quite been at the level that he needs to be at. Can always go off, but I just feel that the... Uh, the hip is bothering him. Power forwards, Terry Jones at 5,500. Started the last game, put up 14 points, but he did start. But him starting and him starting without Anthony Davis are two very different things. I don't think Terrence Jones starting with Davis is worth 5,500. He is at 55 on DraftKings as well. It's not an ideal scenario. Markeith Morris is crushing it, but he is, his salary is crushing it too. 7,200 for Markeith, and that sort of puts him right on value. I don't mind him on DraftKings at 6,900. There is some value there. The matchup for him is, is a really good one. In fact, going up against the Pelicans. So I'd feel all right with him. I just don't feel all that confident on Fangel at that excess salary. Anthony Davis comes in at 11,200. You're going to have that concern with him with cash and potentially leaving the game, but I think that, not that I'm over it, but if you're looking for someone who's going to get 50, Davis is going to be that guy. He's much highly, he's much cheaper, sorry, on DraftKings at 10,400 as well. But that risk does always hang over your head. At center, we're talking marching Gortat only. He's at 6,700. He dropped a big 43-pointer in the last game, putting up some good numbers recently. Really impressive stuff from Gortat. I don't have full faith in him, but that salary... I don't think that it's a, an incorrect decision to, to use him. I think that he can be he can be rostered with a decent degree of confidence. Next up, we're going to talk Detroit Pistons. They are heading to uh, to take on the Indiana Pacers. What is the spread for this game? It is the Pacers by four and a half, and the total is two hundred and ten. 
we need to check the status of Thad Young. That's the big one here for the Pacers, whether he plays with that wrist issue. Got him listed as questionable at the moment. I'd probably go towards the doubtful side of questionable with Thad here. Um, and that opens up some play for guys like Lavoy Allen and some of the other the wing players, like maybe Monte Ellis, like Glenn Robinson the third. None of them 100% stand out to me as awesome options. I'd look at maybe Lavoy if they go that route and, and start him up front with Miles Turner. But we'd need to hear that information coming from the paces as to who they're going to start. But that would be the way that I would look at this point. Reggie Jackson's at 6,100. I can't trust his minutes. I love the matchup for him. I just can't trust that the minutes are going to be high enough for him to return value there. Same thing for him on DraftKings where he's at 6,000. But uh, but Jeff Teague, My name is Jeff. he is at six. No, he's not. I wish he was at 6,000. He's at 7,600. Dropped 41 today. He's averaging 39 across the last five. The matchup is fine for him. I think that what he can do can actually work pretty well against the um, against the Pistons. I think he can have an above average game and I think he can beat that sort of a salary. He comes in at 75 on DraftKings. Fine. I really like the, the situation here for Jeff and it's a, it's a good matchup. As for Ish Smith, 3,800 for Ish and he's averaging 24 over the last three. Had another 23 pointer today. Would you consider him? I know you can't answer me. Would I consider him? If I got desperate and needed a cheap point guard, maybe. I wouldn't look at it in tournaments. And then the reliability for cash is not high. So all in all, I would probably end up saying no. But he's pushing into a sub-4,000 over 23 point range, which is which is all right, which works. Kentavious Coyle Pope at 6000 bucks was terrible today. No no doubt saying that. It's a great matchup for him heading in. I would no, have no problem rolling the dice Again, though, 5,900 on DraftKings, I would be happy to go back to the well. Yeah, he can put up a few stinkers in a row, but I feel pretty good about using him here. Monte Ellis and Rod Stuckey, no thank you. Small forward, CJ Miles, 4,100. That doesn't turn me on at all. Where's Marcus Morris? Do we go back to the well there? He's priced at 5,100. He had 46 points today. Obviously a huge winner, a 9x sort of uh, return from Marcus. How's the matchup on Paul George going to sit on him? Yeah, probably not great. So I wouldn't be expecting that, but can you get 25 out of Marcus Morris? Maybe, but I don't have full confidence in it. The dude had 46 points today, but in his last five games, he's averaging under 24. So that shows you how piss poor those other games have been. So that's what you do need to pay attention to with Marcus. He's at 5,000 on DraftKings. So the same sort of thought process I have there. Paulie George at 8,700. It's just too high. I just, yeah, look, he had a good game today. He dropped 53 in his DraftKings scoring at 8,100, which is fine. But the Pistons are pretty good defensively against small forwards. And I just feel that's a little bit too expensive for Georgie there. The little dog at 3,700. Glenn Robinson, the third. Yeah, maybe, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't get excited. Um, Thad Young, no. John Lua, big game from John, but I don't trust it really here. And Toby Harris at 5,900. I think this is a good spot for Toby, to be honest. I would look at him as a tournament option, but that's probably about it. At center, Miles Turner, 6,700. Um, decent matchup. Hasn't done well against Drummond in the past. Has struggled a little bit recently as well with his form. Some okay games, but nothing spectacular. I'm not really feeling him and Andre Drummond at 8,500. Uh, Turner's given up some big games at times this season, but we know with Drummond, he is as fluky as they come. He is up and down, so that makes him just a guy that we want to look at as a GPP option. He's at 7,600 over on DraftKings, which is not a bad price, but yeah, really tough to use him in cash, as, as you probably are well aware. 
Orlando and Atlanta. The Hawks are favored by 7.5, and, and the total is 207.5 points. We don't know the status of Tarbo Cephalosha. If Tarbo's out, that obviously opens up human fireball Tim Hardaway Jr. to play. Now, we all know that we don't expect Tim Hardaway to do what he did in that game against Houston. We expect first three-quarter Tim Hardaway, not final quarter Tim Hardaway. He had eight points in three quarters, 25 in one. That's what we should be expecting from Hardaway, but it does give him the opportunity. Now, what happens with Tim Hardaway is now he's at 5,200. So, so much of the value proposition you might have got from him can be taken away. Taken away. I would still consider him a GPP guy, obviously, but I definitely wouldn't be feeling like I love that for cash. He's at 51 on DraftKings as well. So, it's going to need Tarbo out and a few things to go his way. Let's talk point guards first. Den Schroeder has been really terrible lately. 6,100 for Schroeder. The matchup is a decent one, but I don't really feel that confident about going back to him just at this point, while Lord Alfred Payton is still too highly priced. 6,700 for Payton. He has torched the Hawks before, so keep that information in the back of your head. I would only use that information to consider him a tournament guy, though. His last three games against Atlanta, last three, he's averaging 45 points, so the upside is massive. His recent form doesn't suggest that he's going to get there, but that upside is real. In this matchup against Schroeder, he has torched them multiple times. So keep keep that in your head. That's a, that's a good bit of information to know. Evan Fournier crushing it, still at 5000 bucks. Why wouldn't you go back to him? Huge game from him today, 36-pointer, $5,000. Hawks defense at the wing position allows fantasy points. Load it up. 5,000 for him on DraftKings as well. Spoke Tim Hardaway already. Let's talk. Do we go back to CJ Watson, who dropped 34 today? It seemed a little fluky. Yeah, I think that's the best way of putting it. I wouldn't be really looking into that. I would be okay with Kent Bazemore. He's at 4,900. I think there is definitely tournament upside in Kent. You know what I think about Kent as a player. I don't think he's good, but he does flash the occasional big game, and that's what makes him a guy that needs to be in your GPP player pool. As for Aaron Gordon, 4,800 for Azza. His highest score in the last five games is under 21. His average in those last five games is 14. Can he go off? Yes. Will he? Probably not. So no problem putting him in a GPP pool. The minutes have been really consistent for him lately. The form has been off. And yeah, I get the feeling that his confidence is in a little bit of trouble. Serge Ibaka's at 6,200, really liking what we're seeing from Serge at the moment, 6,200 on both sides, but he is crushing it in terms of numbers. He's averaging 42 across the last three on DraftKings, and the matchup is actually one that favors him quite a bit here against Atlanta. No concerns with with getting into the Serge Ibaka business in this one, whereas Paul Millsap at 7,900, well, Millsap's becoming a guy that you almost want to look at as tournaments only. He is up and down. He has crushed Orlando in the past, so that might make me say, all right, let's let's uh, let's go back to him in cash. But he's had some absolute stinkers as well. And that's, um, that, that, is, that is the concern with Millsap. He's just very much up and down with what he does. At center, we've got a, we've got a good scenario here because we've got Dwight Howard, who's priced at 7,400. That's not the good scenario because it's, it's a decently high price and he's at 72 over on DraftKings. But does Dwight back it up with two games in a row against former teams and put up good numbers? I'm not totally convinced. His last three games against uh, against Orlando haven't been good. He's averaged 33 points, which at 7,400, does that equate to value? No. I still don't think it's a terrible option. It's a good matchup for Dwight. Happy to go for it. But I wouldn't really be even considering the, the fact that it's against one of his former teams. It hasn't resulted in 
yeah, and, and average perform or above average performances recently. As for Vucevic, seven thousand two hundred, he's been all right. He's done very well against Atlanta in the past. I don't think I feel comfortable going seventy two hundred on him at seven thousand on DraftKings. I feel a little bit better. Um, he has averaged forty two the last three times that they've played Atlanta. There were some spankings in that as well, which inflated his numbers and Alfred Payton's as well. But I feel okay about Vooch. I just don't feel totally comfortable with it. Let's go on to the next game now. We're going to talk about the Philadelphia 76ers taking on the Miami Heat. The Sixers have got a lot of injury concerns we need to pay attention to. Bob Cov is questionable with a right-hand contusion. Joel Embiid with his knee and Nerlens Noel with the illness that cost him the last game. So lots of different scenarios. We could have big minutes for Noel. We could have minutes for Okafor. I didn't say big because he can't get over 25 a game. We could have Bob Cov out enabling Dario Saric. Not Saric, Saric in there. Ursan Ilyasova, Timotei Lawawu Cabarro. Ilyasova and Sharich are going to be the biggest winners if a couple of these blokes sit, and they should be the guys that you're taking a peek at. At point guard, Goran Dragic is at 8,100. It's a very, very high amount for Goran Dragic, and that 8,100 on Fangio almost makes me say, nah, you know what, mate, someone else can uh, can spend that. I like what Dragic does, but not for that much. On DraftKings, he's at 7,400. That's fine. Really like it. I think he can approach 40 points at 7,400. That's a win. At 8,140 points is, is not really that that impressive. So I do like that situation there for Goran. 5,800 for Tyler Johnson. He played 32 minutes in his second game back and scored 29 points. He's got a, a decently positive matchup here. Can he get enough at that 5,800 mark to return value? He needs 30 points. That's maybe pushing it a little bit to me. So I'm not not really totally confident on Tyler. As for TJ McConnell, the Sixers point guard, he's at 5,700, just doesn't really approach that number. He gets close to it, but not close enough. And at 5,200 on DraftKings, the same. He's probably priced three to $400 too expensive on both sites, making him not an optimal play. Does Gerald Henderson actually see the court in this one? I don't know. I won't be using him. And Timotei Lawawu Cabrera, he played 30 minutes in that last game. Minimum salary, 12 points. Even if these guys are all out, I don't think that Lawawu Cabrera is anything more than a very deep flyer type of a player. Bob Cove is at 6,400. The matchup here is is not bad. He has been rolling, crushing it at the moment. His last three games have given us 38 points apiece. But 6,400, how's your confidence level of Bob? It, it, I love Bob, but it's not that high. 6,000 on DraftKings, the same story. Yeah, is, is your confidence high enough for that? In general, the answer to me is no, but I would definitely consider him a GPP player, especially over on DraftKings. Scooter Magruder, no thank you. At power forward, Jimmy Johnson, our Mata, our only son. He is at $6,100. He had 30 in the last game before he got ejected. He's averaging 36 across the last three. Fine. I think he's, I think that he's going to get 30 points. I think that's pretty much what he's going to do these days. He's at 5,800 over on DraftKings. Value there for, for Jim. I think he feels solid. I'm sure he does feel solid. He's a, he's a man that spends a lot of time in the gym. Hassan Ilya Sova, 6100 That's a $400 price rise because he dropped a 46 bomb in that last game with everyone out. I wouldn't look at him unless all those players are out again, but if, but if they are out, then he, he is going to be value at that salary. If they're in, then it's then it's not an ideal situation at that uh, excessive price. As for Sharich, he's at 4400 
He's going to need that starting 30-plus minute role for me to consider him. Didn't work out for him in the last one. He only put up 21 points, which at 4,400 doesn't work. But I would give him another bite at the cherry to come out there and, and drop a 25 or a 26 on us and uh, and dutifully impress. At center, Embiid's at 8,700. Uh, probably not. Don't know if he's going to play. Um, don't know how many minutes he'll play. Don't know how. That's a big price, man. I, I, yeah, I don't think so. Hassan Whiteside at 8,800. Um, not if you have to take on Embiid. Plus, the minute the production for Whiteside has not been ideal. Now, the other guys like Noel and uh, Okafor, they're going to get a bump in value if Embiid's out or you know, Okafor gets minimal, but he would require both players to be out. And even then, I don't think that Jaleel becomes a, becomes an awesome play by uh, by any stretch of anyone's imagination. All right, next game we talk talk about is the uh, the Madison Square Massacre, the Cleveland Cavaliers and the New York Knicks. Now, the Cavs haven't been playing well, but every time the Cavs take, take on the Knicks, it seems like it's an ass-kicking. We do not know the status of a few players in this game. Derek Rose is listed as doubtful for the Knicks. Lance Thomas is listed as questionable. And Kevin Love is listed as probable. So we're assuming that Thomas and Love play. And we're assuming that that Deza is out. Let's talk point guards now. And we'll start with Derek Rose's replacement. And that is Brandon Jennings for the New York Knicks. Now, Jennings is up to 6,500. That is excessive. He's been playing well. He's averaging 35 points in these three starts with Rose out. Good numbers. The matchups are positive. But 6,500, you have to put a lot of faith into Jennings. He's at 6,000 on DraftKings. Do you have enough faith in him in a positive matchup at that price tag? I think he becomes okay. He is very, very far from that guy that you lock in and build lineups around, which is what he was for the previous two games. I don't have full faith in him being an absolute must-play, core cash sort of a guy. As for Kyrie, he's at 8600 It's a high price. He hasn't really gotten to that level, averaging under 39 across the last five. He did have a 48-pointer in there. But at 8600 I'd like him to at least average 40 points. Um, I'm not, not feeling it with Kyrie here, to be honest. I think that's just a little bit too expensive. Shooting guard, Justin, Justin Holiday's at 3,800. Good game in the last one. Put up 26 points out there. He's got another positive matchup. How he gets used is impossible to predict with Hornacek, but definitely got some tournament upside to get you maybe 7, 8x value, which he did in that last game. Sub 4,000, almost 26 points. Yes, that was against the Nets, but I still think he's worth a look. Courtney Lee has no upside, and 4,600 is way too expensive. And Iman Chumpert's doing his thing for standard leagues, but it's not really translating too much to DFS. 4,200 for Chumpert, and just not really not really pushing the uh, pushing the boundaries forward in what he can do. Kyle Korver had a good game in the last one as well. He had 26 points, and he's at 3,700. So you can take a look at him in a tournament and think, maybe he gets hot, maybe he hits his shots, but I would have no faith in that being a, a, a regular thing from him. Small forwards, Mallow, 8,100. Kyle Anthony has not done well against Cleveland in the past. Mallow has had a couple of average sort of games. At 8,100 on this sort of a slate, 
I think that you can do better than Mallow. He's at 78 on DraftKings, the same story. I think that you can get a better player in. That better player might be LeBron James, but he is now 11,500. That is expensive. LeBron has systematically crushed the Nets recently, though, so I think that you should be well within your rights to expect 50-plus from LeBron here, and at 11,500, that's not far off where you need to be. So no problem with using LeBron, whether you take him or you take a guy like Kevin Durant, which we'll talk about later on at that expensive small forward slot. I think LeBron yeah, definitely looks like he can be a, a decent value play. Other small forwards? None to talk about. What about, uh, what about Porzingis? Porzingis. Sorry, Porzingis. At 6,600 for Chris Tapps. He had 37 in the last game. Beat his value. Um, hasn't done well against the Cavs in the past. Has been up and down. I would look at him as a flyer guy, a, a tournament guy, and that's probably where I sit with him. The other side of things, Kevin Love should be back. He's at 7,600 on Fangio. That's, that's nice and cheap. I think that he can exceed that value there. On DraftKings, he's at 8,000. We know the three-pointers really suit him, and that could work out fantastically in a matchup against the Knicks. We've seen plenty of big men go off against them. So I think that Kevin Love, I don't know if his ownership will be that high, but I think the matchup, the return, the low ownership could work in your favor with Lovey in this one. No other power forwards worth talking about? Probably not. At center, how about Willie Hernan Gomez? What do we do with him? The third string center who then end up playing the most minutes. He had 43 in that last game. It's averaging 26 across the last five in just 20 minutes. But they've responded and they've bumped him up to 5,300 on Fangio. He's still at 45 on DraftKings, making him a really good play over there at that price. We still can't have confidence in Hornacek, so it's really tough to rely upon him in cash. But 4,500 is fine. 5,300 is... I, I I still would look at it as a tournament play, but there is no way that I could say, yep, I'm going with Bill and Cash and I'm going to feel great about it and he's going to get 27 minutes and he's going to drop big points. I just I can't feel confident about that. Over the last five games, he's going at slightly over a point per minute, but at 5,300, that means you want him to get 25, 26 minutes and I don't feel 100% confident with him actually getting that much playing time and that's... Uh, Going to make it hard to use him. Tristan Thompson, if you can tell me what Tristan Thompson's going to do, let me know. He had that four steal, four block game, zero pointer, and then a massive double-double after that. So is he due for another stinker? Who knows? He's had a couple of real big games. He's In fact, in his last five games, he's had a 50-point game and a 41-point game. He's had an eight-point game as well. So maybe look at him as a tournament. The matchup does really work for Tristan Thompson here, but he's never done well against the Knicks in the past, really. So I don't think that he is a priority type of guy. As for Joachim Noah, whatever the opposite of a priority is, that is, uh, that's where he currently stands. All right, let's move to the next game now. We're going to talk Denver Nuggets. They're taking on the San Antonio Spurs. Nikola Jokic, or Nikola Jokic, was asked after the game if he was the coach, how many minutes would he play himself against the San Antonio Spurs? And the answer was 49. So maybe not being able to read a clock is contagious in uh, in Denver. I know that he was taking the piss. I don't know if Michael Malone is. A few injuries we need to check on. Obviously, LaMarcus Aldridge missed the last game for the Spurs with knee soreness. Knee soreness. Um, So I I assume that he will be back, and that's going to push most likely Davis Bertans back to the bench. I think that Dwayne Dedman will remain starting. Dedman started the last two games, one with Aldridge, one without. I don't know if that will necessarily stick. But I think that it's got a good chance of it. For Denver, it's the rooster that we don't know. The injury isn't severe, so he could very well be back. I would lean towards the fact that he doesn't come back for this game and Wilson Chandler gets some more minutes. I thought it was all going to be one show. 
it turned out to be zero one show at all. So let's uh, let's have a look at, at Wilson Chandler. He becomes that option if uh, if the rooster is out of action at point guard. Man, there's just a lot of nothingness here. Tone Parker's at 4,400. The matchup is brilliant, and he's done very well against Denver. So I know I think Tone Parker's a, a good GPP guy. I said that last time he scored one point. But I do think that he is that he is in a good spot here. We've seen point guards put up really impressive numbers a lot of the time against Denver. We saw Matty Delvadova dish 12 assists today, for God's sake. Like, lots of point guards can put up numbers, and Parker's done it already this season. 4,000 on DraftKings as well. You know, tremendous amount of upside for him. Pat Mills at 3,800. I just don't think he's playing enough minutes despite the good matchup for him there. And on the Denver side, Manny Moutier, 5,300. No idea what sort of minutes he's going to get. And Jameer Nelson is, is too highly priced at 4,900 for a, a situation which is most likely going to be a minute sort of split. The Spurs have got two cheap shooting guards, Danny Green and Manu Ginobili. Either guy can exceed value. Whether they do it is completely up in the air. Manu's got a good record against Denver. He only played nine minutes a day. So I would... Oh, sorry, not today. The last time the Spurs played, I would be doubtful that he sits out this game. I think it could be a decent Manu game, but I don't feel confident enough in either guy to think that they're going to be great options. As for Gaz Harris at 5,100, the minutes have been just dropping by like one minute a game over the last couple. No idea why that would be the case. Hate the matchup for him here, so I think that's a stay away. And Farton Will Barton, the same story. Kawhi Leonard at 9,700. Real opportunity to go bananas against the Nuggets. So if you don't want to spend the 11,000 on LeBron, Kawhi could be the way to go. He's at 93 on DraftKings as well. And as, as for the rooster, Danilo Gallinari at 6,900 on DraftKings, I would not want to use that with Kawhi on him. On Sorry, on Fangio that was. On DraftKings, he's at 5,500. That's appealing. That's got some upside if he plays in a tournament, low-owned, but not many indicators really point in his uh, in his favor here. As for Wilson Chandler, nice 47 pointers today. He's at 5,900. The salaries actually come down. So this is your opportunity to go back to the well and use Wilson Chandler if Gallinari happens to be out. I think it'll be a really, really good option to do that at power forward. Jokic, 10,300. Why not? He's giving you 50 basically every night that he's out there. The Spurs are an issue, but he is averaging 44 the last three times he's taken on the Spurs. So that's not too much of a concern. Um, yeah, no problem using Jokic over on DraftKings. He's at 8,900. That is, that is ludicrous. That is so low. So yeah, I would, I would be, uh, all aboard using Nikola Jokic over, uh, over on there. Lamarcus Aldridge at 7,800. I, I yeah I don't know if he's playing and he's just not really even getting to that sort of level most nights so I don't feel a huge amount of confidence in Lamarcus at all. Whereas Ken Fareed, who's been good but six thousand nine hundred is too expensive for Fareed, who will struggle to get to thirty minutes with all the pieces back in play. Dave Lee I just I just don't know if he starts maybe but fifty six hundred is too expensive for me anyway. As for Dwayne Dedman, at 3,900, he dropped 31 in the last game. Do we go back to Dwayne if he remains starting? If he remains starting, he's not going to play as much as he did in that last game because that was without Powell and without LaMarcus. But I like what he can do. You know I like what he can do. And I would I would absolutely consider him a a GPP type of a player. Not not a must-own guy, but, but absolutely a, a GPP option. All right, let's move on to the... Also, just quick shout-out to Yusuf Nurkic from the Nuggets in the Nuggets game. I meant to mention it earlier. Uh, Michael Malone did not know that he was not on the bench for the second half. So lots of good stuff happening in Denver. 
Michael Mullen said, I didn't realize he wasn't in the bench. He must have been out the back getting treatment on his knee or his foot. So things are obviously going well between uh, Yusuf and Michael and the Denver organization as Nurkic just didn't reappear after halftime, stayed in the locker room, and the coach obviously had no intention of using him because he didn't turn around and go, Yusuf, get in there, because Yusuf wasn't there. So a very weird... And Michael Malone, he's been known to tell a few lies, as he did in the pre-match press conference. So who actually knows? But it was a weird story to uh, to say. The Memphis Grizzlies is the next game. They're traveling to Minnesota to take on the Wolves. The Grizzlies are favored by one and a half, and the total here is 203.5 points. Injury-wise, we don't know the status of Chrissy Dunn or Zachy Levine, who uh, Dunn missed today's game. Levine hurt his knee at the end, a knee bruise. So we don't know if they're out. As I touched on earlier, Brandon Rush will be the guy if Levine is out and you would want to be all over him because he really killed it. And I imagine that Thibodeau goes back to that well. Uh, we've done out Tyus Jones takes that role, but he doesn't get enough minutes to be a, a useful player. For Memphis, we're assuming Chandler Parsons is out. And everyone get ready to adjust your lineups because Adrian Payne may not play. He's got an illness. He might not play. So just just be ready to make that late switch if possible. At point guard, Mike Conley at 7,800. Probably a bit expensive for Mick. It's a, it's an all right matchup. That's just... Just a little bit, I think, uh, on the uh, on the expensive side. If we head across to DraftKings at 7,100, then that's fine. I think that's a good value for him. The Rubio defense hasn't been as good this year. It is a positive matchup. He's averaging 42 across the last three, including that big one against the Suns. wasn't so good today, but I think that at 7,100, Conley obviously has some uh, some valuable val- valuable value. That's a terrible phrase. Rick Rubio is at 6,900. Um, no like Rubio, like him a lot, but that, that's a lot. He's averaging, he's had a great run. He's averaging 33. So 6,900 in a negative matchup against the Grizzlies, that is a write-off at on DraftKings at 6,000. That I would consider. I'd consider it and say no, but I would still consider it. It's not an automatic, like, what are you talking about sort of scenario. He could do that. He could get 30, but the matchup, and with so many other good options out on the board, I'm not really sure that that is the best use of your $6,000. For Levine at 6000 Zachy, we don't know if he's playing. If he is, it's a terrible matchup. He would be a GPP guy only. And Tone Allen. Tone Allen gets a bit of a boost if Chandler's out, to be honest. 4300 for Tone. Um... Don't love it. I think he can do better, but he comes under under some consideration. Small forward, Jim Ennis at 3,600. Well, Jim Ennis can go for 25 in a start in place of Parsons, so I think that is worth taking a look at as a flyer. Same with Vincey Carter at 3,800, who should play some extra minutes if Parsons, as we expect, is missing this game. So some value there with those players. As for Andrew Wiggins, 7,300 for Wiggins. No chance that I'm spending that. I would look at it in a tournament because he can go for 45, but he's just as likely to just give us a 28-point average-ish performance. Now, on DraftKings, it's a different story because he's priced at 6300 so that's much more appealing. I still wouldn't feel good about using him in cash, but I'd feel much better about using him in GPPs, and I think his ability to hit value there at that price or actually smash through value is, is elevated. Still don't really love him for cash games, though. At Power Forward, you can ignore Jermichael Green and Nemanja Bielitsa. Gorky Jeng had a nice performance. He's at 5500 The matchup is a stinker, but, but Jeng has done well against... Uh, Memphis. They do play big, so we'll probably see less Shabazz Muhammad at the four, less Nemanja Bielitsa, and Jeng might stay out there. He's averaging 32 the last three times against Memphis, 35 minutes a game. At 5,500, he gets 30 points 
it's a win. He's at 51 on DraftKings. I think it is a good spot for Gorgie, even though you know the inconsistency is a concern, but this matchup seems to look like it'll be a good one. As for Zebo, 6,100. Well, this is a big team that he's going up against, and we've seen the trend from Fisdale is going to Zebo more in those matches. He's still priced fairly highly, 6,100, so I'm definitely not falling all over myself to get it. On DraftKings at 5,600, that's a lot more appealing, and that's one where I think you could even maybe, maybe, maybe even consider that for cash. I'm not fully on board with that, though. Mark Gasol, 53 today. Huge night from him. He's at 8,700, so obviously crushed that value. Um, really bad. Second half of a back-to-back, 8,700. You want 45 points again. Feels tough. 77 on DraftKings. Fine. No problem with him on DraftKings. Just that extra $1,000 on Fangio is not not helping for me. 10,400 for Carl Anthony Towns. He wasn't quite up to where he needed to be today, but he's averaging 51 across the last five. A negative matchup against Gasol. That probably makes me fade him, to be honest, is that matchup against Gasol. He's really tough to fade on DraftKings. So he's at $9,000. That is not an expensive price. But his last three games against Memphis have given you 31 points. That's terrible at that sort of a salary. Even more terrible on Fangio, where he's averaging 29 points. Gasol really gets him. So he he's not not a guy that you should be um not a guy that you should be really heavily uh, heavily invested in I guess is probably the best way for me to uh to phrase that. All right, we've got a th- well, three games to go. Let's talk about the who are we? The Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns. The Suns are favored by one, and the total is two hundred and seventeen and a half. No uh, no injuries to concern ourselves with at the moment, unless you consider Dragon Bender to be uh, a big deal. I like Dragon Bender, but he's not having a much of an influence on DFS contests. At point guard, we're talking about Matty Dellavedova. We're talking about Brogo. But is anyone going to care? I don't think you really want to use either of those players. You could use Dally. That's, that's not fair. You could use Dally at 4,100. A nice assist game. Bigger minutes for him lately. He's at 4,000 on DraftKings. He has a GPP upside. He doesn't have cash game reliability, though. Eric Bledsoe, on the other hand, 9,500. We know that he's been crushing it. He had another 52 in the last game. But the problem is that the Bucks are very, very good against point guards. He has suffered against them previously, averaging on only 25 the last three times. 9,500 for Bledsoe. I would definitely take that in a different direction on this 10-game Saturday. Love Bledsoe. Too expensive. DraftKings at 8,500. Now you're talking a little bit more my language, and that is something that I would I would consider over there, but not that expensive Fangio price where he's currently residing. At shooting guard, you've got Devin Booker at six thousand nine hundred. He just he's getting you thirty ish points every game. Six thousand nine hundred is fine. I think you should look at him as a nice cash play, not necessarily a good upside tournament guy, but he just continually is giving us the same level of points. He's at 66 on DraftKings. Same story. Really, really like Devin Booker as a solid play. 10,500 for Yanni. Had a nice game today, but he's struggling to get to 50 points. But if you've got cash left over and you want to spend it on a shooting guard, then then he's going to be that answer. It's just not going to be the best option most of the days. At small forward, TJ Warren. Huge one from him today. He's at 4,000. Great matchup. Zero trust. But he's a great GPP guy. Love the matchup. Love the performance. Love the salary. Uh, hate the coach. PJ Tucker, on the other hand, at 4700 I don't think there's any upside in spending 4700 on PJ Tucker. He's the same price on both sides. Despite the matchup, I, just, I don't see that being a, a very high upside type of a scenario. At power forward, Marquise Chris at 38 
we know what happened today, nothing. We can look at him as a GPP guy because if he stays on the court, the matchup's great. He can get 26 or 27 and it works for you. But that's strictly, strictly a GPP scenario. While Jabari Parker, who had a big 49 pointer today, he's at 7,400. I'm not feeling totally confident in spending 7,400 on Jabari, but I also don't hate it. I think that it's, it's okay. I would probably take myself in a different direction though. The centers, Tyson Chandler at 5,500. I think I expect a semi-bounce back for him. He's been a little bit down over the last stretch of games. A couple of good ones in there. Uh, 5,500 for Tyson. Fine in this matchup. Now, the Buck centers, who knows? I have absolutely no idea what is going to happen. Will we see John Henson? Will we see Munro? Will we see Thon Maker? Will we see Roy Hibbert? No, we won't see Roy Hibbert, and we won't see Spencer Hawes. But will we see Maker, Henson, Munro? Who? Where? When? You could take a punt on Maker. You could take a punt on Henson. But you, you cannot you cannot tell me that you can rely upon any of them because we just have absolutely no idea what Kidd is going to And I can almost guarantee you that at this point, Jason Kidd has no idea what he's going to do. Now, John Henson comes in as a minimum salary player. He dropped 30 today. Huge return. No one could have possibly foreseen... Well, they did announce him as starting, but that hasn't really meant anything to, to, to Kidd this season. Really tough to try and get a handle on what what's going to go down at the five in Milwaukee. And now that he's got two extra toys to play with, it's going to be more chicanery. The next game we're going to take a look at, we've got the Charlotte Hornets and the Utah Jazz. This this could be ugly. Derek Favors is expected back for Utah. Ramon Sessions has a torn lateral meniscus. That is going to keep him out. We haven't heard the exact numbers. I think this keeps him out three to four weeks. And that means deeper league people, seasonal leagues, Brian Roberts is the guy that's going to take that over. And that's not going to mean anything except Kemba Walker's ill. He is questionable. If Kemba Walker is out and Ramon Sessions is out, Ray McCallum just signed and Brian Roberts is there. Brian Roberts becomes, even if we don't hear about Kemba until lock, if there's any doubt, putting a one GPP with Brian Roberts in it could really differentiate yourself from everyone else and enable you to fill up in other positions. So that's that's a way that you can approach this game because we know that Sessions is not going to play. Georgie Hill's salary has come down a lot. He is at 5,800. He's not producing anywhere near that really, but the matchup is such a positive one here that I I feel pretty good about Hill, probably more GPP and more Fangio, but I do feel pretty decent about using him. As for Kemba, shit matchup, 7,600. He's ill. Yeah, none of those things really... You know, stand out to me as being a great spot. Although one thing I will say for Kemba, he has done very well against Utah. He's averages 46 the last three times, but some of those games have come against Hal Neto or Shelvin Mack. Like the point guard situation in Utah last year was not George Hill. So we're not talking about elite type defenders. So you've got to take somewhat of a level of grain of salt with those numbers. At shooting guard, Alec Burks at 3,500 with Rod Rocket Rodney Hood out. Burks is a guy that started to get minutes in those last couple of games that Hood was out last time. He's a minimum salary player, and he can get you 20-plus points. The matchup here is great. Can we rely on Burks? The answer is no, you can't rely on him, but you can absolutely take a look and hope he gets 25 because he, he could do that. So I, I'm, I'm okay with considering Burks an option. Nick Batum at 7,100 just feels a bit highly priced, especially in this matchup. At small forward, Joe Ingles could also take on a much bigger role. He's a $3,700 player, and he was crushing it. Now, what happened, though, previously when Rocket Rodney was out, that Ingles was getting 35 a night, and then they went 25, then they went 22, 21, and started giving Burks more minutes. 
So that's the concern that they don't go back to Ingles at 30 plus. If they do, and if, if they say they're starting Joe, which I do imagine they do, that is not a guarantee that he is playing 30 minutes. So don't get suckered into Joe necessarily in your cash games. I don't, I don't believe in it because there is the risk that he goes out there, plays 22, Joey Johnson gets 25, and Burks comes in and gets 24 or 25 as well because that was the pattern that we saw the last time that Hood was out for the last part of, part of his injury. Gordo Hayward's at 7,600. He, he does very well against Charlotte. Uh, like the matchup for him here, like the price. No issues with Gordo, and he's at seventy three hundred over on uh, over on DraftKings. So yeah, fine to use, fine to use Gordo there. Joey Johnson had a nice twenty eight pointer in the last game with Favors out. If Favors is in, I think it's going to be harder to consider Johnson. He's more a four than a two these days, so not a massive amount of minutes open up for him with Rocket Rodney out. Michael Kidd Gilchrist has plummeted as well, so let's uh, let's leave him alone. Frank the Tank is going to start in Cody Zeller's absence. He is priced at four thousand five hundred. He's coming off a near forty point game. He's got Gobert. Sure, that's a problem. Four thousand five hundred is not a massive salary for him to overcome. So I think that he has got value. The Gobert factor is a concern, but forty five on Fangio, forty two on DraftKings. I feel okay about using Frank. I think it's a good situation that's open for him. I wouldn't be keen on Rand, uh, Randy Favors, Jesus, on Derek Favors. I don't even know who Randy Favors is. And Marv Williams, bad game for him. And Ty, Ty Lyles, struggling. Trey Lyles is not a player that I'm uh, really looking at. Let's talk centers, though. It's Rudy Gobert. He's at 7,900 on Fangio. Sure, he's going up against Frank Kaminsky. This could be a monster for Rudy. He's at 75 on DraftKings. Again, sure. Yeah, I think he should be looking at 35, 40 points plus for Gobert in this sort of a matchup. Miles Plumley will be available, so he will get the backup minutes behind Frank the Tank. Would you consider Miles Plumley as a GPP option? My answer is no, but he could find himself if Kaminsky's just getting abused by Gobert in there, and then Plumley gets in there, he'd likely get abused as well. But it is something that you, you do need to consider. Let's wrap this up now with the last game of the night. It's the Golden State Warriors. They are taking on the Sacramento Kings. The Warriors are favored by 12, and the total is 226. We don't know if Draymond Green is going to play. He's listed as probable with that shoulder issue. And Sean Livingston, who's missed the last two games with a back issue, is listed as questionable. The Warriors signed Briante Weber. I can't believe the Warriors signed Briante Weber. Every other team, what are you doing? Sign Briante Weber. And why would you let the best team sign Briante Weber? Absolutely ridiculous that that would come to that unless every other team offered him contracts and he just said, nah, man, I'm good. I'll just wait for the Warriors, which I guess is a possibility. But man, every team should have been looking to get Briante Weber. I think he's an NBA player. The Bulls, what are you doing? Sign him. The Heat, sign him. What are you doing? And now the Warriors have got him. To me, that's an indicator. The Warriors had real depth issues in the backcourt anyway. And on the wings, they don't have many wings. And they cut Anderson Varage out to make this happen. They had too many centers. It's interesting. I like to see what happens. And to me, this is an indication that Livingston maybe misses a couple more games here. I don't think that Weber is having much of an impact, though. At point guard, man, well, who knows with these Kings point guards. Darren Collison's at 4,800. Had a monster today. But how can we trust it? The answer is we can't. But we can definitely consider it in a GPP. Without all these guys, especially if Aaron Aflalo happens to be out again, then you would definitely have to think, well, they're going to have to go Lawson-Collison combinations. And that's going to bump up him. And it's going to bump up Ty Lawson, who's at 4,300. Expect some stinkers, but predict that those guys can be useful for tournaments. As for Steph, he's at 9,700. 
He's really crushing it at the moment. No problem with loading up on Steph and feeling good that you're going to get 45 points out of him. 96 on DraftKings, same story. No concern with using Steph Curry. I think there's some pretty decent value in him. Clay Thompson's at 6,700, would only consider as a tournament guy. That's that's it for me. And the Kings shooting guards, Malachi Richardson, Ben McLemore, who went off today, would you consider McLemore? The answer to that is, is going to be no in pretty much every case. Matty Barnes at 4,000. Yep, no worries. At 4,000. Like it. Not sure I love it in cash, but I, I don't. I think there's definitely GPP upside. He's going to have to play a fair bit of minutes. Kevin Durant at 10,700. You got him, you got Kawhi. Um, you got LeBron. Any of those guys can really be considered useful. Yeah, Durant should be able to get fifty here against the uh, against the Kings. He's averaging fifty one over the last three over on DraftKings, and uh, and fifty five the last three times he's taken on Sacramento. So there's there's precedent there. Iggy has been playing some extra minutes and some extra production. He's at four thousand four hundred and dropped twenty seven in the last game. I don't have great hopes in Iggy having big upside, and nor do I have great confidence in his floor. So that to me pretty much rules him out of being used. At Power Forward, Draymond. Power Forwards love the Kings. Draymond should be back, 7,800. I would look at him as a tournament guy only. I wouldn't feel much confidence in doing much else with him. Will Cauley-Stein, Tolliver, mm, nothing to really get us too excited there. And the centers, do you take a flyer on JaVale McGee? He's at 3,700. He had 24 in the last game. Good performance, clearly. Huge performance from JaVale in those limited minutes, but obviously it is just a flyer in a tournament. And we've got Boog. He's 11,100. Boogie Cousins has not done well against Golden State, and centers do struggle against Golden State. To me, you can find better ways of spending that $10,000. LeBron, Kawhi, Durant, any of those situations seem like better ones than taking Boogie in this scenario against the Warriors. All right, that is uh, that does it for all of the games. Let's look at the picks of the day before we wrap this up. On Fangio, we're talking Darren Collison at 48 as a tournament guy, Jeff Teague at 76, and Johnny Wall at 10-6. At shooting guard, a GPP option is Justin Holiday. Evan Fournier is at 5,000, and Yanni's at 10-5. For the small forwards, Jimmy Yannis is at 36, Gordo Haywood's at 76, and Kev Durant at 10,700. For the power forwards, Frank the Tank Kaminsky, 45, Serge Ibaka, 62, and Anthony Davis, 11,200. And what the hell did I write here? And at center, I wrote JaVale Green. I don't know why I wrote that. JaVale McGee at 3,700. Tyson Chandler, 55. And Marc Gasol, 8,700. On DraftKings, Alec Burks at 3,400. Conley's at 71. And Johnny Walls at 10,2. Evan Fournier at 5,000. Brattles Beal at 69. At small forward, Jimmy Ennis, 34. Kent Bazemore, 5,000. And Durant at 10,1. The power forwards, Frank Kaminsky, 42, Abaka, 62, and Love is 8,000. And at center, Billy Hernan Gomez, 4,500, Tyson Chandler, 51, and Anthony Davis, 10,400. For the Aussies, Moneyball, Brandon Jennings, 48, Georgie Hill, 55, and Johnny Wall, 10-2. Small forwards, Evan Fournier, 48, KCP, 53. Small forwards, Jimmy Ennis, 35, Haywood's at 75, and Yarny's at 10,000. At Powerford, Frank is at 4,300, Kevin Love at 75, and Davis at 10.9. And the centers, Billy Hernan Gomez, 48, Dwight Howard, 7,200, and Rudy Gobert, 8,500. On Draft Stars, Alec Burks comes in at minimum salary, 5,000, Brando Jennings, 8,650, and Jeff Teague, 14,550. Shabazz Muhammad, 50,50, Brattles Beal, 12,750, and Goran Dragic, 14,750. Small forward Joe Ingles, 5550. Ursan Ilyasova, 9500. 
And LeBron, 19,350. And then Frank Kaminsky is a power forward, 6950. Serge Ibaka, 10,6. And Kevin Love, 14,000. And the centers, Billy Hernan Gomez, 56. Tyson Chandler, 10,4. And Rudy Gobert, 14,250. We are done here, guys. Follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore Beeble and check out the rest of the Locked On Podcast Network and, of course, Basketball Monster. We are done here, guys. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Marcus Smart.